Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is the Thursday, May 26th edition of the show. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And Christopher. Uh, before we kick off with it, have you been following this stupid Johnny Depp trial? Uh, yeah, a little bit. That's, I not cannot, a lot, a lot, but a, a little bit. I cannot get enough of this thing. Like, I'm not, like, refreshing my screen or, or whatever, right? Uh, but at the end of the night, my wife and I, like, I know that this is the last week of the trial, but we have gotten into a habit now of jumping on, like, she has a TikTok account, and we just go through and find, like, the highlights from the trial. I cannot get enough of this crap. Like, it is, I don't know what is wrong with me or this country that this is the biggest trending topic in, in all of pop culture, but uh, but it is fascinating. Fascinating to look at. Like, I've, I haven't seen anything this entertaining on court TV in a long, long time. Uh, what I mean, how have you kept up with this thing? What, do you do you TikTok? Do you just tweet no, it? I mean, I what are you? No, I don't do any of that. I don't do any of that. I listen to other podcasts. And a few of the podcasts have a news segment where they hit on that. That's it. That's the extent of it. That makes sense. That makes sense. No, it's so uh, I love one of the podcasts I listen to is a legal podcast. Ah. And so it is, that's where I've gotten the majority of the information is from a, a podcast that strictly handles nothing but court stuff. No, it certainly, certainly makes sense. But, yeah, this thing is entertaining. Uh, I am not sure. I will just have to go back to watching TV, I guess, once this thing's done. Because, <laughs> which I think it's supposed to be done at the end of the week, but uh, but yeah, yeah, this has been pretty nuts, pretty nuts. Let's uh, let's talk about some football. We got quite a bit to talk about. Lane Kiffin, the Ole Miss head football coach, decided to uh, come out and speak with Sports Illustrated. Uh, and I'll go ahead and pull up the article on the screen here for those that are watching on the YouTube and. Uh, and yeah, the headline, A Candid Lane Kiffin on NIL Recruiting and Boosters. He said, quote, we're a professional sport. Um, he said he doesn't blame recruits who opt for the most money. Uh, he talks about college football's looming problems. But uh, but on here, uh, he said, often blunt and rarely politically correct, Kiffin opens up on an NIL concept that has evolved into boosters and booster-led collectives, paying players inducements to attend college programs. He said the subject was at the heart of a public spat last week between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. It says, uh, two days before that exchange erupted, Kiffin told SI that 100% of high school players are choosing schools based on the highest NIL guarantee and that he does not blame them. Despite those saying otherwise, he believes, or otherwise, the uh, current model is, in fact, sustainable for him. He said, yet it will produce uncomfortable locker room environments where boosters evolve into team owners, manipulating coaching decisions, and so on. 
I want to go ahead and get your thoughts on this uh, before we dive into anything else that he said, other than, you know, these are professional players and we are professional sports. Um, I think that uh, he's a little bit right in the sense that no one cares anymore about your locker room or your homecoming traditions or any of those things. They are strictly looking at NIL deal money-wise. And some people can say, oh, it's a shame that they're not looking at any academics. And my argument to them would be all of these schools have good academics and they can pick something. It's not like these kids are the top tier. We're talking the five-star, four-star guys. These guys are not going to a school because they have a good accounting department. They have a degree going to study it. They're great because they still have to be academically eligible as of right now to play the song. You know, that's, that's just the way that is. But yeah, I think it's better that a kid says, this school is willing to pay me $10,000 to go there over, I should go here because they got a waterfall in the locker room. The 10 grand can change his family's life. That waterfall isn't doing a damn thing to or for anyone. Hey, that's actually, let me jump in here. Uh, that's what Giffen was talking about. He said, this has totally yeah. changed uh, recruiting. He said, I joke all the what time the about fuck? it. Uh, he said, facilities and all that, go ahead and build facilities and these great weight rooms and training rooms, uh, but you ain't going to have any good players in them if you don't have NIL money. He said, I don't care who the coach is or how hard you recruit. That is not going to win over money. Uh, I mean, this is this is pretty nuts. Chris, we uh, we got you back. Uh, didn't look like it yet. He's connecting to audio. So, um, yeah, it, basically, he's, he's telling the truth here. Like, it doesn't matter what the uh, – Chris, we got you. Yeah, man. Okay, good. I don't know what I don't know at what point you lost me. So, uh, well, I was I was reading. So, you know, uh, totally. What what did you hear from me? How's that? That looks like we might have lost him again. You nope. threw it to. We got him. We got. Hey, we I, got you. I'm here, and <laughs> I have I have great Wi-Fi. Like, I am. Uh, it's flying. I am hardwired, so I'm not sure. Uh, what is going yeah, on? Yeah, but that doesn't mean your internet's not going out. <laughs> uh, you blame this shit on me all the time. That's, hey, I ain't blaming nothing on you, my friend. It might just be mm, Zoom. Like I know sounds going accusatory. On. <laughs> Here, I'm I'm testing my speed as we speak, and uh, and everything looks good on my end. Like I'm able to move. So yeah, I I've got know uh, what good over, looks like over 600 megabytes download. And uh, da, 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 da. I'm four, yeah, three hundred up, three hundred up. Sorry. Ah. Either way, let's uh, let's finish all this. Right. Uh, Kiffin said it's totally changed recruiting. He said, uh, facilities and all that. Go ahead and build facilities in these great weight rooms and training rooms, but you ain't gonna have any good players in them if you don't have nil money. Like that's what yeah. he says. I don't but, care who the coach is or how on, hard you recruit. Hang on, no, he's a hundred percent right on those things. And and here's what I was trying to say before I got cut off was that. I think this is a good thing. I don't think that – I thought that it was ridiculous that they were building – spending hundreds of millions of dollars to build recruiting centers and facilities for these kids. When, when you know, you could change a family's life for 10 grand. Yeah. Yeah, 
Like you, you have talked about this for years and years. Like, why are we spending this ridiculous amount of money? And on at the dumb time, stuff. Yeah, at the time it was because you like that's what you had to do with the money. But that's in right. this situation, uh, all that stuff's out the window now. Like you, right. you don't have to worry about that. You can pay the players now. And exactly and I think right. Kevin's right. I mean, he's a hundred percent on. Um, you know, they talked for a little bit uh, about Ole Miss residing toward the bottom of the SEC in athletic budget. Uh, it says in 2019, before the pandemic arrived, the Rebels had a budget of 108 million dollars, which was 12th in the 14-team SEC. Um, you know, I mean, they're donors. But hang on, Go but ahead. hang on now, hang on. So this is actually a good thing for schools like Ole Miss because what it means is if it, you can't compete with your Alabamas and your Georgias and your Texas and your A&Ms on facility. You can't compete because when you're talking facility money, you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes. But the idea that you can't compete with these bastards on getting a kid and you can't co- your boosters can't come up with a couple of hundred thousand dollars for a top-tier kid, and then you're saying to that top-tier kid, hey, man, you could either – go to this school like an Alabama or like a Georgia where they've got four guys ahead of you that have all been recruited at a high level that have been there for years, or you can come here and be the star. So there you got to wait a couple of years for you can play. They're going to get you an NIL deal while you sit on the bench. That's fine. But how much more money are you going to be worth once you get playing time? Exactly. We can start you now, which means this is going to spread the talent out. Yeah, no, that, that's what they mentioned. While uh, while they had a budget of $108 million, which was 12th in the 14-team SEC, uh, the school's athletic department received $28 million in donor contributions, which is 23rd nationally. And, and really, it's a fraction of donations to league rivals. Like, Texas A&M had $85 million in athletic department uh, contributions. Georgia had $52 million, Florida $45 million, LSU $42 million. Uh, but still, that's $28 million that does not necessarily have to go to the school. Remember, once this new deal gets done with the SEC, once they bring in Texas and Oklahoma, every school will be bringing in, from ESPN alone, over $100 million. Like, it is going to be massive, massive money. So, why would you have to worry about contributions? At that point, you yeah. can tell these guys that are donating the $28 million to the athletic uh, department, hey, Go spend this on the players. That's Don't, right. Yeah. Use it for NIL. Exactly. And uh, they're not going to win all of them, right? Uh, Ole Miss is not going to be able to keep up with Texas A&M in that, but it will help them compete with some players. But it, hang on. At some point in time, Texas A&M is going to be like the Alabamas and the Georgias if they keep this up, and they're going to be three deep at everything. And so the, the, fourth, the, the next year freshmen coming in, they're going to choose to go somewhere else. Exactly. Because they understand your value is on the field. This is true. This is and true. So, so while our, our, our NIL deal money might not be great for the whole team, I can go get this five-star quarterback. I can go get this. I'm going to tell you this. How many five-star quarterbacks are, are usually in most recruiting classes? The top-tier five-star quarterbacks. How many uh, of those you got? You've normally got uh, four or five, maybe. Okay. Like, you've only Do got you, like 30 kids that are five stars each year, 30 or 32. Yeah, no, I know it's not many. Do you think 
there's any reason the like if you're in the SEC and you're making so much more money than all these schools, so you can tell your donors go get these NIL deals. Is there a reason for a five star kid to not go to an SEC school unless he's going to choose a a USC or an Ohio State? Like, can you imagine them picking somewhere else? Because I just don't know that anybody else has the pockets we do. It's not we're better. This is not a biasy that I have because I like us. This is a biasy on we just make so much more money than the ACC. So there's just no reason for them to pick an ACC school. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I I don't see that happening. Like, I I really don't see – like, I think the SEC is going to dominate recruiting for a long, long time. But – but that means now, in, in, in saying this, that means that Alabama and Georgia are going to get theirs, you know, A&M's going to get theirs, and then, like, an Arkansas could get theirs. A Missouri could get one. Yeah. Like, we don't, you know, not like, you know, the fi- there's five of them to go around. You got 14 schools in the SEC that are deep pocket loaded. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. 100% right. Uh, LSU is going to get theirs. Right, Tennessee yeah. obviously has shown that they are willing to. Gonna, do it. Yeah, like it's they're willing to do it. Yeah, it all depends on whether or not I, you're willing to do it. And it's and I think and I, and I've told you this before. I think it's the A and M's and the Tennessees that are that are gonna benefit from this immediately more than everyone else because they're the most desperate fan bases that have the deep pockets. Oh yeah, they they see this as a way to get back into competing, and, uh, That's and right. I think they'll do it. They will 100 percent do it. Let's uh let's jump off of this. We'll jump off of Lane Kiffin and whatnot. We will uh talk for just a second here. Did you see the CBS kick times that they have announced already for this season? No, I did not. Nope, I hadn't seen them. Okay. Here, I'm gonna read off some of these for you. The first ones, so obviously the SEC on CBS window does not start until the third week of the season. Which means the first two weeks of the season, CBS typically has not even shown a game. But they are changing that this year. The first Saturday, September 3rd, they're going to have Arizona at San Diego State at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And then in the second one, they've got Colorado at Air Force in that. Uh, it feels like they are trying to build up the Mountain West a little Mount- bit. You kind of Mountain West it. program. Yeah. I'll say this. That's that's the best thing that could happen to the Mountain West, and that's a really smart thing for CBS to do. They should have picked an American or a Mountain West to go and say, we will support these guys. We will put them on our big-ass network. We will find games for people to watch, and they will get numbers. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They also have Friday, November 25th, they've got Utah State at Boise State as the 12 p.m. Eastern time game, which is going to be an early, early kick out in Boise. But uh, but they just had them again uh, this past Black Friday, and and the numbers did well. Like, people want to watch Boise. So I, this feels like CBS trying to boost up the Mountain West. Of course, they're doing that. They've already got a massive deal with them for the CBS Sports Network. But this is not just Boise that they are uh, building here. They are building Air Force, San Diego State, and Boise by doing this. I think it's a genius move. Because they don't have anything lined up after the SEC leaves uh, in a couple of years. So if you don't end up with anything else, then you want to make sure that what you do already have the property rights for, uh, that people already know what that is and that they are willing to dial in for it. 
I think it's genius. Uh, on top of that, they're um, they're doubleheader. You know, they they get one week that they have a doubleheader. Saturday, October eighth is their doubleheader. They've got a uh, let's see, a three thirty p.m. Eastern time kick and their eight p.m. primetime kick. That is the same day as Alabama Texas A and M. I would imagine that will probably be their primetime game again this year. We all remember what happened last year in that spot. So. That could be interesting. They do have uh, Air Force and Army playing on CBS, 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, November 5th. I think that one's going to be in Arlington again. Uh, could be wrong. They've also got Navy at Air Force. Like CBS is actually boosting their, uh, their other properties as opposed to tossing this stuff on CBS Sports Network. They're doing it on big SEC, or big, uh, big CBS, excuse me. I'm, I'm a little curious at the idea behind this because... What do you think would make the, like you have to stay in live sports, right? You can't just get out of it if yes. the SEC leaves. So you got to do something, well, right? It's it's not just that. If you think the playoff window is going to spread out to twelve teams, and it's going to be divvied up around Fox and NBC and uh, ESPN or ABC, then you have to have a piece of that. And if you're not doing regularly scheduled college football games then you can't have a piece of that. True. True. And so they are boosting up their coverage. Uh, the games that they've already announced, they've got Penn State at Auburn. That will be 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, September 17th, so week three of the season. Uh, they do have Georgia and Florida, as they do uh, right around Halloween weekend. This one's uh, Saturday, October 29th. And they do have Arkansas and Missouri on Friday, November 25th, so Black Friday there. Uh, but none of the other SEC games have been announced as of yet. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. They do still have the SEC championship game. They're going to keep on rolling. Is what it is. Let me uh, let me go ahead and get through these ad reads right quick, uh, which is not a whole lot of ads, but more so just how you can reach us. You can, of course, visit the website, winningcureseverything.com. Everything you need to know about us, you can find right there on the site. Uh, along with that, if you have not already, subscribe to the podcast. If you're watching the YouTube channel, we certainly appreciate that, but make sure that you are subscribed to it, if you would so kindly, and jump into the comments, jump into the chat on YouTube, and on those podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can leave reviews on all of them. Please leave a nice five-star review, a written review if it'll let you, and uh, and post something funny, what you like about the show, etc. That That helps us out. Uh, along with that, you can follow us both on Twitter, at GaryWCE, at ChrisBGiannini, and at Winning Cures. And, of course, you can see some of my other content over at BetUS TV. I host a how-to bet on sports uh, video series over there, and I'll be the host of the college football show again this year. So uh, check it out, BetUSTV.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 
96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Chris, we are going to start off with the AAC, and we're doing part one today. There are 11 teams in the AAC right now. Obviously, that will change once uh, the move to the Big 12 is uh, considered done for three of these teams, and then they are adding more teams. So, you know, quite a quite a bit going on with the AAC, but this year it will be business as usual, and we are going to go through the top six from last season before we uh, talk about the last ones once we move uh, into next week. So let's uh, let's go ahead and start this. Well, first, before we do that, initial impressions. What, what do you what do you think about this league this year? Uh, haves have nots. I have yeah, I three teams at the top from this group of teams we're going to talk about that I have the exact same record for all three of them. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I'm uh I'm close to you. I'm close to you. Uh and and yes, the have nots. Uh there are some teams, you know, we're not going to talk about Memphis today, but uh you know, losing 6 of the last 8 last year down the stretch, uh probably not good. Um looks like a team that is uh what's the word I'm looking for? Um this is what it looks like when a program starts to downturn, right? So can they avoid that and come back this year with a sophomore quarterback? We'll see. Uh, but at, at the same time, like Tulane has got a massive group of returning starters coming back, uh, returning production coming back. Uh, what does Tulsa do? They lost uh, several big guys to transfer. Like I, I, I feel like we know who the top three are going to be, and then the rest is just a free-for-all. You kind of feel the same way? That's right. All right, let's let's dive. And I, and I have the other three in this being definitely uh, separate. Gotcha. Okay, let's uh, let's dive into this first team here, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Of course, last year this team was a college football playoff finalist. Uh, they were one of the top four teams. They played Alabama. Uh, they did get beat, but they showed well in that performance. Luke Fickle doing his thing. He ain't interested in other jobs. He's about to move into the Big 12, and he thinks they can dominate in the Big 12. They were 13-1 and last season. Their postgame win expectancy said that they should have been around 11-2, and but they did get those wins that they needed. They were 8-0 in the conference, and then, of course, won the conference title game over Houston. Uh, projected SP Plus record for this year is 10-2. and Their returning production, only 54%. That's number 107 in the country. They lost Desmond Ritter. They lost Jerome Ford. They lost Sauce Gardner, Alec Pierce, Maje Sanders, uh, Curtis Brooks. They lost the linebackers, Beavers, and DeBlanco. Kobe Bryant, the cornerback, is gone. The safety, Brian Cook, is gone. Uh, and yet they still have recruited at a really, really good level. The roster strength is number 51 in FBS right now, per the guys over at CFB Winning Edge. Uh, you know, let's, let's talk about the uh, – look, all the numbers were good last year. Let's talk about the offense. It's always good when all five of your starting offensive line return. 
especially with three all AAC guys on the right side. But how how if you're an offense, do you go about replacing the quarterback, the running back, and your wide receivers? Uh, you know the way you do that. I you mean, gotta, you got to go to the transfer portal, right? And, and they did. Well, you don't but, have to, but yeah. And so they've been recruiting. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, they they certainly. Uh, the issue is that they don't have a ton of experience, and that's that's where it comes. Now the offense, of course, uh, their returning production is uh, number eighty three in FBS is fifty eight percent, but a lot of that's because of the offensive line all coming back, and that is a starter for sure. If you have production, uh, you can do all kind of stuff. Ben Bryant is back; he transferred back to Cincinnati after leading Eastern Michigan to a bowl game last year. Uh, I would imagine we might see more explosiveness with Hawaii wide receiver Nick Mardner transferring in. Uh, their explosive rate last year was number 71 in FBS on offense. They could have stood to be a little bit stronger there. Uh, offensively, uh, PPA per drive, number 40 in FBS. Uh, on the defense, like Fickle's defenses are always good. Uh, number 111 in returning production and losing all those NFL guys is going to be tough. Like, it, Do you think this might be kind of a rebuild situation? Uh, nope. Nope. I don't think it's going to be rebuilt at all. I think they've been recruiting. I think they've been building classes. So, yes, they lost guys, and the guys coming in might not be as good as them, but they made it to the playoff. Okay. They can still go 10 and 2 and not make it to the playoff. I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. I think they're going to go 10 and 2. I think they're going to be really good at football. And, and, you know, could they beat Arkansas? Could they beat one of the other two big teams that have gotten this, you know, conference? You know, maybe, probably. You know, there's a world where that happens, and they win them all. But I don't think that. I think they'll lose two of those games. I just don't lose two. Uh, the defensive line and the linebackers are going to be good. Uh, secondary looks a little suspect um, outside of the cornerback Bush and the safety Hicks that are coming back. Uh, there's not a lot of depth anywhere here it doesn't look like I mean they, this is going to be a young team uh what I've got here uh as far as keys to the season if a team uh if the team can find a way to win at Arkansas the rest of the schedule does look manageable and they could certainly lead to another 10 plus win season uh you got to figure out if Bryant or Prater is your quarterback I would imagine Bryant is with him coming in for one last season uh, and you got to work on chemistry early and often the running back, Kiner, should fill in right where Ford left off. Kiner, of course, coming you know him well, coming from LSU. Uh, they got to clean up the penalties. They were number 111 in penalties per game last year, but only number two in turnover margin, so that's good. Uh, stay on that trajectory, and, and you're all right. And sometimes these penalties per game is not such a bad thing, right? Uh, the penalties per game situation could be because they are really, really aggressive, and that can be a good thing, especially with a good defensive football team. Uh, so I don't want to... You know, I don't want to just gloss over that. Um, clean up the penalties. Uh, continue to not turn the ball over. It should be another successful year. It may not be playoff caliber. I agree with you. I've got them at 9-3. and three. I've got them losing to Arkansas, SMU, and UCF. Uh, but I could see them winning any of those games. I, You know, I certainly don't see them winning all three. But, but hey, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they win any one or two of those. So any anywhere between nine and three and eleven and one, and I feel like this uh, this kind of hits. You you feel the same, right? Ten and two. Yes. Okay. Ten and two. All right. That will move us on over to the team that I actually have winning the AAC this year. I'll go on and 
spoil that for everybody. That would be the Houston Cougars. And, of course, Dana Holgerson. Uh, Big-time stuff for Dana, of course. Uh, 12-2 and last year. Their post-game win expectancy said they should have been in the regular season closer to uh, 10 and 3, somewhere in there. It was 10.08 and 2.92. Their conference record last year was 8 0. Uh, their projected SP plus record this year is 9 and 3. They, uh, they did go 8 and 6 against the spread last year. Cincinnati did the exact same thing. Uh, offense was not great last year. Like number 61 in offensive PPA per drive, their rushing success rate was awful. Uh, we'll start off with the offense here. Uh, the loss of the running back, Alton McCaskill, to an ACL injury in spring. That hurts, right? That really hurts. Uh, but there is still talent, even if it's inexperienced at the position. Uh, the offensive line should be pretty good this year. The other part of this, I don't know if you've uh, seen this stuff going around on, on Twitter and whatnot. You go back and look at every Dana Holgerson quarterback, every one of them. His final season has always been their best season. So this looks like it could be a big year for Clayton Toon, you know, coming up. They've got a lot of wide receiver talent. Uh, they've got two wide receivers and one tight end with a ton of snaps returning. I I fully expect Clayton Toon to be awesome. He had over 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions last year. Um, obviously, you want some help from the running back position, but Holgo has shown like he will fling that ball around. How, how do you feel about this offense? Love him. Think, think the offense is going to be good. Think the defense is going to be just fine. I think Dana Holgerson is one of the best coaches in college football and uh, love him. And uh, I think he's going to take Houston to uh, high places. I have them 10 and 2. I have them 10 and 2 as well. Um, I, my So, my thoughts about the defense here they returned 10 seniors that played 200 plus snaps each pass rushers, uh, Paris and Jones, uh, the linebacker, Mutant, uh, the cornerback, Hogan, et cetera, along with, of course, defensive coordinator Doug Belk, who they gave a million dollar contract to so that he wouldn't leave for some of these uh, greener pastures. Doug Belk, young guy, really, really uh, made that defense click last year. He has built that thing up over a couple of years now. Uh, they need to limit explosive plays. They were number 102 in defensive explosive play rate, uh, number 60 in 20-plus yard plays allowed. Uh, Other than that, the defense was awesome. I mean, as far as uh, PPA per drive, they were number six in the country. Rushing success rate, number 14. Passing success rate, they were were number three. This defense was elite uh, at at basically every level. Uh, They're going to lean on their seniors on the defense. They, you know, you slow down the opponent big plays, you're going to win more times than you're not. Uh, You know, just don't beat yourself this year. They were number 22 in turnover margin. Try and maintain that. Number 80 in penalties per game. Uh, maybe clean that up just a touch. I've got them 10-2. and two. Like I, I could see them going undefeated. I could see them, you know, 11-1, and one, somewhere around there. Um, it does scare me. Like, it, there could be a team that pops up that I don't expect them to lose to um, because we have seen Holgerson do this kind of stuff in the past, right? We, we've had really high hopes for some of his West Virginia teams and it didn't exactly turn out that way. Uh, but you've, you've got them 10-2 and two as well, right? Yes, sir. That's it. We both love our boy Holgo. Faux show on that. Uh, so, yeah, I've got them 10-2 and two as well. 10-2 and two as well, and I, could, I can certainly see it. I, I think they win the AAC this year. I feel pretty strong about that. I think this is a loaded roster, a really good team. Uh, really wish McCaskill was still with them. Um, and we'll, we'll see. I mean, he... He tore his ACL, I think, uh, at the end of March or early April. And 
you know, after that, uh, I mean, ACLs, what, they, they take six months now, eight months now? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be eight months, probably nine, something like that. I mean, we did stand. we did see George Pickens just do the exact same thing and then came back and played in uh, uh, towards the end of Georgia's season. Now, he, he wasn't 100%, but, I mean, he's good. Like it, So, I, we'll see what McCaskill does. Um, but either way, they do have talent at the position. It's not like they're going in with nobody. So, uh, we will move on to uh, another coach that you really, really like, Chris. Like, really, really like. And that would be Gus Malzahn and the UCF Knights. Uh, Gus Malzahn last year led the Knights to a 9-4 and record, and that was after Dylan Gabriel went out. Um, what, third game of the season, I think it was, uh, against Louisville? So, you know, uh, who knows? They they had to start a freshman quarterback last year. Definitely not good. Uh, Mikey Keene. Um, but the offense was was okay. I mean, they were number 71 in offensive PPA per drive. Uh, this year, you got to figure out who the quarterback is going to be. Is, is this going to be uh, John Rice Plumley, or is it going to be Mikey Keene? Keene started most of last season, but we all know uh, Gus's offense tends to run better when you got a running quarterback, right? Like you, you would agree with That's that. Right. So, yes. so in that situation, you got the running back Bowser back. Um, four offensive linemen played at least seven hundred snaps last year, so the running game should be pretty good. Uh, they were number forty-six in rushing success rate last year. Outside of the wide receiver O'Keefe, I have no idea who steps up. What, what do you think about the offense uh, going forward this year? I think they're going to run the football. And I think they're going to run the football better than anybody in the American that maybe not named Navy and probably a lot better than Navy. I think they'll be a lot more explosive than Navy, uh, for sure. Well, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, th- I think they might not right. run as many times as Navy, but I think it's going to be close. I, you, I, think, I think that's what right. Gus wants to do. He's got a horse like Bowser that can pound it. He's got some speed guys that can that can move. I, I have this team ten and two. I have them nine and three. But ten and two would not surprise me. Eleven. I think they're going to be real, real good this year. Eleven and one would not surprise me. Like I think they're going to be really, really good as well. Now that they know what they expect, uh, you, you've got two experienced guys coming in at quarterback. Uh, talking about the defense here, five of the top seven defensive linemen return. Um, defense was number seventy-eight in yards per rush defense, at number sixty-nine in rushing success rate allowed. That that's not great. But uh, but I would imagine they can improve, you know, with five of those top seven defensive linemen returning. Uh, you hate to see Big Cat Bryant leave because he was a monster, a uh, ton of tackles for loss, etc. Uh, but I mean, you, you got a lot of guys back. You got a lot of guys with experience back. They're going to be older. They're going to be more experienced. Uh, basically, the entire two deep in the secondary uh, returns, and they were actually really good last year, even though they were young. They were number twenty one in passing success rate allowed last year. Uh, you know, can they improve from number 46 in interceptions? They grabbed 11 of them last year. Uh, you know, you, you keep it at 11, uh, you know, that, that should be pretty good. About one a game, not too shabby. Uh, on top of that, you know, this team, the, the thing that surprised me, if you go back and look, they were 9-4, and four, they won their bowl game against Florida. Their postgame win expectancy, 6.39 and 5.61. So this team really should have been closer to 6-6 six and six last year. But it tells me a lot about the head coach when you can win those close games and you win those games that maybe you're not supposed to. And that gives me a lot of hope going forward for, uh, you know, this team. Like, I think that they they got through their youth movement in the first year, and now they got a lot of experienced guys. Uh, so you've got them 10-2. Well, 
Like it's not just that, Gary. Look, I I love Holgerson. I love him to death. What uh, Luke Fickle is doing in Cincinnati is unbelievable. But those two guys have not been into the in the wars that Gus Malzahn has been in in his You're career. You're 100 right. They just haven't. He's got far more experience in big boy, big game football. And and I I just think it's only a matter of time before he's at a school like this with the resources that they have to where he can really take over. And what, is this their last year in the American? Or are they going to be in it next year? He's only got two years before he steps up in class a whole lot. Yeah, I d- well, it all depends, right? Uh, it depends on buyouts, et cetera. But this definitely could be yeah. the last year in the AAC. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, if he's going to do it, if he's going to do it, he needs to do it this year. Yes, uh, you're 100% right. Uh, my keys to the season, establish the quarterback early, hope some playmakers develop from the numerous options on offense. Uh, there's no proven game breakers right now, but I, I think they can develop those. Uh, the defense needs to work on defending the run, especially against the schedule. Losing Big Cat Bryant's 14 tackles for loss and six sacks is going to hurt. But again, you got five of the top seven back. You got a bunch of experience. Somebody is going to break out of that group. Uh, on the other side of this, uh, on quarterback, like yeah, you're you're losing Dylan Gabriel. We he didn't play most of the last season anyway, so you already know what you got here. Uh, as far as the wide receiver situation, they did have a game breaker, and Jalen Robinson transferred from UCF to Ole Miss after spring. So that one hurt you. Uh, but again, you know, the wide receiver O'Keefe, I think he could be a game breaker. We'll we'll see how that goes. I've got him 9-3. and three. You've got him 10-2. and two. Uh, Nothing would surprise me with this bunch. I could see him going undefeated. Uh, they, they do host Louisville on Friday, no, uh, excuse me, Friday, September 9th. Um, and then after that, you get SMU at home. You got Cincinnati at home. You play at East Carolina. You play at Memphis, at Tulane. Uh, this, I mean, they've got Georgia Tech at home. Like, this looks like a really big home schedule for them. Um, I would imagine that the bounce house is going to be bouncing. For sure. For sure. All right, we got uh, three more to knock out. Let's go ahead and roll through. The East Carolina Pirates had a really fun season under Mike Houston last year. Their post-game win expectancy said that they should have been 5.67 and 6.33, which really would have been around five, uh, 6 and 6 somewhere. They went 7 and 5, so that was good. 7-4 uh, and 1 against the spread. Their projected SP Plus record this year is 5 and 7. Now, you know, you would kind of think with their starting quarterback coming back and both coordinators coming back that you should see improvement from 7 and 5. Uh returning production, you know, number 43 in FPS, uh FBS, excuse me, they uh they bring back 68%. Um three starters back on the offensive line. The transfers they brought in look really really talented. The quarterback, Holton Aylers, was number 70 in QBR in 2021. Um he was number 19 in yards per game though. So even though the QBR wasn't great, he he still flung the ball a lot. Uh the wide receiver situation they're going to rely on three transfers to go along with wide receiver C.J. Robin or excuse me C.J. Johnson, uh, and that's if he's back. Like he he had to go through some stuff in the spring. He's been suspended. Um, I would imagine he'll be back. He's really talented, and we all know uh, if your talent outweighs your problems, you're probably going to be on the on the team. Um, and then the defense. Basically, everybody on the defensive line was a freshman or sophomore last year. Seven guys with 200-plus snaps return. Defensive end Smith and Hickman. Uh, that run defense should improve 
from number 65 in rushing success rate. Uh, the linebackers look strong. DBs returned seven players, including one transfer uh, with more than 200 snaps. Secondary was number 27 in defensive passing success rate. Uh, that That's good. They have got to figure out what's going on with the explosive plays on the defense. Uh, number 115 in the country in defensive explosive play rate allowed. That's not good. Uh, give me your thoughts here. I mean, I, I've got them at 6-6. Six and six. I'm curious uh, what you think about, about Mike Houston and the Pirates. Uh, I think Mike Houston's a good coach. I think they're a good team. I think the schedule breaks down real tough for them. It's, um, it's really you know, bad adding, early and really bad late. Adding adding BYU to it just mm, that's a that's a that's a rough one. Yes, I uh, I think I think they're going to be five and seven. I kind of wanted to make them four and eight. I could understand that. Uh, I've made them six and six, and and I only made them six and six because I I. I really believe that Mike Houston is a really good coach, and I think one of these games where they are not favored, they are going to find a way to um, find a way to get a win. You know, you got a senior quarterback there uh, that has been through all of the fires. He has been the starter for at least the last two seasons, and I think it's three seasons. Um, he's been around for a long time. You know, they've got a good running back, Keaton Mitchell. Uh, their offensive line, like I said, really good. Um, you know, my keys to the season here. There were a lot of ways that last season could have gone way better or way worse. They were four and three in one-score games, and like I said, their post-game win expectancy saw them as a five-point-six-seven win team. Uh, if you let that young defense continue to develop, like they they have seventeen players back that played over two hundred snaps, like that is really really good. And we know Mike Houston is a fantastic coach. Roster building continues here. Um, they are number sixty-four in roster strength right now. That's higher than they've been in a long time. Number thirty-six on offense, number one hundred in defense. But uh, but again, the defense, a lot of experience. I would expect that number to improve uh, more so than the talent, right? So I I've got them at six and six. I I could see them making a bowl game, but hey, you're right. I mean that non-conference schedule is brutal. Uh, they got to play Memphis, UCF, at BYU, at Cincinnati, and Houston, all you know five in a row. Like that is almost impossible. For a team yeah, that doesn't rough. have the talent, so yeah, yeah, uh, they're going to be outmatched in all of those games. Exactly, and and then you got to hope that they win all the games where they outmatch the other team. Exactly, uh, and then NC State is who they open with. So yes, <laughs> I mean it's just brutal. It's absolutely brutal. not impossible for them to pull off an upset. We see it all the time in college football. Yeah, but it's just not like it's just not likely. No, you're you're a hundred percent right on that. Hundred percent right. It is not likely. But uh, but we'll see. I got I got a little bit of faith in Mike Houston here. We will move on to the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. Now, Philip Montgomery. Uh, let let me start off with this. Uh, they went seven and six last year, and that is because they they really kind of started rolling towards the end of the season. Um, they were not good. They started off last year losing to an FCS opponent. I think it was UC Davis that they lost to. Um. This team could have been any number of things last year. They were 5-4 and four in one-score games. Uh, this year, they are projected favorite in six games. Four of them, they are projected to win by one score or less. Um, by <laughs> one score or less, meaning one score between one point and seven points. So, um, Montgomery, that's what I was going with. Philip Montgomery was the OC at Baylor under Art Bryles. 
And early on, you kind of got the suspicion that Tulsa was going to start flinging the ball around, and they certainly did early on. This team has been led by the defense for the past. I was just about to say, they have, they have ran the ball, ball control and smothering defense for the last, what, three years now? Yeah, and this is a team that, uh, it, look, this offense is ranked outside of the top 50 in yards per play in five of the seven years under Philip Montgomery. That's insane. Absolutely insane. Um, they have got to, for them to be successful, they have to overperform and find a way to develop this unrecognized talent on defense over and over and over again. They lost wide receiver Sam Crawford Jr. They lost defensive tackle Jackson Player both to transfer, and, and Player is going to be a starter at Baylor this year. Like He's transferring away from Tulsa to go be a starter in the Big 12. Like, you keep developing these guys. Like, Jackson Player was an All-American last year. And and yet he transfers out. And I understand it. You, you got an opportunity to go do something bigger and better. Totally get it. Um, well, let's talk about the offense here. Um, uh, by the way, their projected SP Plus record this year is 6-6. Six and six. Uh, They're number 114 in returning production. So that's certainly not good. Uh, the offense, they get Davis Brin back, the quarterback, but they lost uh, Shamari Brooks, the running back. That hurts. Uh, they lost five of their top seven pass catchers. Like, the passing game was good last year, number 42 in success rate, but they were not explosive. They were number 68 in 20-plus yard passes last year. Uh, the run game was number 90 in rushing success rate, even with Brooks. Uh, now they've got four new offensive line starters, and their second and third running backs are back, but I don't know that they can improve a whole lot from number 90 in rushing success rate. Uh on top of the top 50 defense the last three years, like, can you continue to do that? Uh, they've kind of shown that they can with unrecognized talent. Um, they're just developing guys. Uh, defensive tackle Jackson Player, like I mentioned, he's out. Defense still wasn't good against the run. They were number 90 in rushing success rate allowed. Uh, three defensive linemen with 200-plus snaps back. Uh, four linebackers with 140 back. Secondary was really good last year, number 30 against the pass uh, as far as success rate goes. The safeties have experience. Cornerback has, eh, you know, eh, we'll see. I, I'm curious your thoughts here on on what Tulsa is. I, I never really know what to do with this team. I don't either. I think Tulsa is going to struggle this year. I think this is going to be a comeback to the to the group um, kind, of, uh, kind of season. I, I've got them six and six because I really like the style of ball they play. Um, in that smothering defense, uh, you know, and, and ball control offense. But if they ended up five and seven, it wouldn't surprise me. I have them at six and six, and I'm with you. Like, I, this team cannot afford a loss uh, against Jacksonville State in the third game. Um, yeah. They, they they can't really afford a loss against Northern Illinois or at Wyoming. Like, it, you're, you're not in conference. You kind of have to roll through that. Because um, the schedule is, is kind of brutal for them. So I, you well, know, yeah, I mean, uh, this, they, this conference is getting better. Like, there's one team that we're not talking about today that's in this conference that I think is going to be much improved. You hit on them a touch earlier in Tulane. Tulane plays all these middle level teams. They play East Carolina. They play Tulsa. And and I, I'm not just chalking those up to W's for those other teams. I think yeah. Tulane's going to pick off one or two of these teams. Yeah. No, I, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, they only brought in Tulsa only brought in four transfers, two on offense, two on defense, and they lost a ton. I mean, just an absolute ton. This coaching staff is going to have to overperform again. I've got them six and six because they just continue to do it. 
but yeah, it, that's that was my thing. Is is they've done it? This will be you know three years now. They've done it, and I didn't think there was any way on earth they could do it. And so that's the reason they get the extra game bump. If I was fair and honest, I would say five and seven. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. So I, we both are. I just said, I don't know what game they're going to win, but they're going to win one of these games I'm not expecting them to because they're just a well coached team that seems to not make mistakes. And I'll tell you this like, the, the god of football himself, Bill Belichick, has said this more times than not. More teams lose games than win them. And if you can just not lose them, you can come out on the winning side a lot. And that's what Tulsa's done the last three years. That's what this coaching staff has done. They just don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. They don't do anything explosive at all on offense. But they smother you and suffocate you on defense. And then they just don't make mistakes. Yeah, towards the end of the season, they really, really cleaned up the mistakes. But overall on the season, number 101 in turnover margin, number 101 in penalties per game. Uh, Now, like I said, they cleaned it up towards the end of the year. But, whew. Uh, wow, that surprises me early on that they had all those. Well, I mean, they, that's that's how they lost to UC Davis. That's how they were losing all these games early, uh, and then they had to win yeah. four straight at the end of the year to go seven and, and six. And then they and then they roll off four. Yeah, then they roll off four straight wins at the end of the year. You're, I guess you're right. It's just how the season played out. Is they got better, they improved, and they could certainly do the same thing again this year. Uh, they you know improve as the season goes along. But, or just not make the mistakes early. Yeah, that's the that's the situation. If you've got a young team, uh, you expect the mistakes early. But if you can get them to where they're not making them before those first games, because the first three games are winnable. You got at Wyoming, Northern Illinois, and Jacksonville State, and then you go play at Ole Miss, Cincinnati, at Navy before your first break. Like, get those first three wins because you're gonna need them. Like, you got to have them wins in your back pocket. I will certainly yeah. say that. Uh, let's move on to the last team here. And our last team uh, that we're covering for the AAC today is the SMU Mustangs. And, of course, Sonny Dykes is gone. Rhett Lashley comes in as the new head coach. He was the OC under Sonny Dykes uh, before the last two seasons. And he comes in. He knows what Sonny ran. He, he knows what this offense is supposed to look like. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you look at uh, the the offensive balance here, Sonny Dykes last season, 52.5% passing to 47.5% rushing last year. Rhett Lashley's was almost the exact same. It was closer to 52.48, but you're talking about half a percentage point. Like, they, they are incredibly balanced between rushing and passing the football. Um you know, they went 8 and 4 last year, started off 7 and 0 and then went 1 and 4 down the stretch. So that's not ideal, but they are number 38 in the country in returning production. That's 70%. Uh offense is only number 54. Uh defense is number 29. I don't know what that means for the defense because the defense was not exactly great last year, number 92 in PPA per drive, but on offense, they bring back Tanner Mordecai, the quarterback. They bring back their leading wide receiver uh, uh Rasheed Rush, or excuse me, Rasheed Rice. I'm trying to mess that up so many different ways. Uh, And then, of course, they've got the running back, Trey Siggers, and incoming running back, Cam Wheaton, a five-star that was at Alabama for one year and transferred over. Uh, He he went back home, basically, because he's from that area. Transfer wide receivers Moore and Simmons are promising here. Uh, Lashley's offense should be similar to Dykes. We talked about that. As far as the defense, the new D.C. is Scott Simons. Uh, He had been at Liberty for the last two seasons. 
Uh, seven starters back on D, but the question, again, Chris, that I ask you is how good are they if they were number 92 in PPA per drive, uh, number 126 in defensive uh, explosive play rate allowed, and their passing success rate was number 98. Their, their rushing success rate was number four in the country. So they did not give up a whole lot. Uh, you know, number 57 in opponent third downs, that 38%, and even more stops, I think. They were uh, number 106 in 20-plus yard plays allowed. Can the experience limit those big plays? That's uh, that's my question here. Give me your thoughts on SMU. Uh, again, started 7-0 last year, went 1-4 down the stretch, and now you got a new head coach. Uh, what does that all mean for the Mustangs? Uh, I think this season's going to look very different than last season. Um, but record-wise, I think they'll be pretty close. I got them 6-6. Six and six. I think they're going to be okay offensively. I just don't know that they're going to be – just because a guy runs the same offense doesn't mean it's going to be the same. He's different. He's got a few things that are different. He's got his own biases and his own spin on things. He's going to tweak and change. Sometimes those are better. Sometimes those are not. Um, and And I just – I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like defensively. I don't know. They've never been really a good defensive team to begin with. So I'm not expecting much from that side of the ball. Teams seem to score whenever the hell they want on them. So I think they're going to get six and six, and I think that's generous. I'm – I am really – the more that I look at this, like I, I've got this team at eight and four. Like this, wow. I think I think I might be closer to you though. Like I really wow. do. Like I, I've I've got a lot on the fact that the school players are back and they've got experience in Lashley's offense and all that. I, but at the same time, yeah, you might be onto something here. Like this, this might not be as good. You know, eight and four, same record. I I don't think that they're going to start off great. I, uh, I mean, you start with North Texas and Lamar. And so I think those are both definitely winnable games. Uh, but you play at Maryland, you play TCU, and you play at UCF. Like, those three are going to be pretty brutal. And then you've got a break before you do Navy, Cincy, at Tulsa, and Houston. And then, of course, at the end of the year, you got at Tulane and you got Memphis. So I might have uh, I might have overcalculated here. You know what? I am. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join you on the 6-6 six and six bandwagon. Okay. You didn't want to split the difference even, go 7-5. No, I'm gonna do six and six. Nap, you know what? I am gonna do. I am gonna do seven and five. Yep, I'm doing right. seven and five. Yeah. So I'll yeah. give them a win over I just Memphis, think, a loss at Tulane. Yeah. 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 I think they'll split that game. I don't know which one they'll win, but I don't think they're winning both of them. I, I, and I also don't think they're gonna lose both of them. Like that's kind of the way I went through the schedule and I looked at these teams and I thought, okay, the easy games they'll win. But here's the thing: is I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong. So like. Last year they beat TCU, right? Like I don't see them going in and beating TCU again. Like I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't see it happening either. Sonny's, the game Sonny's just TCU. not going to want that to happen. It doesn't matter. It doesn't Agreed. matter. Well, especially because it's. I mean, you'll have more TCU fans than SMU. I would imagine. Just so, doesn't matter. But regardless, so, I'm with you. I'm with you on it because I I do think uh, Sonny is not going to let that happen. Like in his first no, year, so he's just not going to let that happen. I agree. I agree. Uh, on and maybe Monday, I'm wrong. Um, on Monday, we are going to talk about the other five teams that finished in the bottom five of the AAC. Uh, but overall, like it, 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 this is a three horse race. Like this is Cincy, Houston, and UCF. Like I, I firmly believe that. 
Uh, I don't think anybody else has the horses to keep up with these guys. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Chris, you got any other uh, thoughts that we should hit on? Any any topics that have popped up? No, that's it, brother. That's I, I've, I've kind of had Twitter up just to see if anything came up. Um, I don't see anything. <laughs> I don't see anything that we need to discuss. So, all right, let's go ahead and get out of here. Chris, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Uh, I am excited to continue the AAC conversation next week. And, uh, and we'll see if any other coaches decide to mouth off and do anything crazy before next week so that, uh, so that we can have some fun things to discuss. Sound good? Yes, sir. See you, buddy. All right. Be good, brother. All right. That is going to wrap up the show. You guys have been fantastic. Thank you so much for always watching and supporting the show and sharing it out with all your friends. That certainly helps us out, helps us uh, a ton. So please continue to do so. On top of that, uh, we are going to go ahead and roll. You guys are great. Thank you again for everything. Go to winningcureseverything.com, subscribe to the podcast, leave a nice review, and, of course, subscribe to the YouTube page. With that said, we are going to get out of here. Have a great weekend. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, hopefully, all of you tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at GaryWCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.